Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. A young man who survives a disaster at sea is hurtled into an epic journey of adventure and discovery. While cast away, he forms an unexpected connection with another survivor, a fearsome Bengal tiger. We're joined today by the writer of this terrific, magnificent, really epic new film, um, The Life of Pi, directed by Ang Lee. The screenwriter is David McGee. David was also the writer of the uh, award-winning writer of uh, Finding Neverland and Miss um, Pettigrew. And I'm just butchering the first part of that. Uh, David, help me out. The... Uh, Miss Pettigrew and Miss Pettigrew lives for a day. Thank you. I just I had a no mental problem. mental block there. David McGee, thank you so much for joining us here on Film School. Thank you for having me, Mike. Well, first question that I have after having watched this film is, um, it's such a popular book, such a well-known mm-hmm. piece of work. What were what were the biggest challenges that you faced? What was your first reaction when you were approached? Uh, I don't know if it was uh, Ang or who it was that approached you about writing this, but what was your reaction when you were asked to to well, adapt it this? Well, was, it was Ang who reached out to me uh, to do it, and I had read the book years earlier, and when I first read it, I didn't think it was a film. I didn't think it could be made into a film. I had actually mentioned to a director that I was but I was reading the book, and I really enjoyed it, and he said, well, is it a film? And I said, no, I don't, I don't think so. And for good reason, that was 10 years ago, and first of all, the technology, I don't think, was there to do it uh, on screen with a, a realistic, real Bengal tiger and a boy in a boat on the water. Uh, every one of those sends up a red flag when it comes to uh, shooting possibilities. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, it was also very... Uh, um, uh, difficult to imagine how you would convey the 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 Indian background, the religious backgrounds of this boy, uh, his interest in in uh, Hinduism and uh, Islam and all these different religions, without it sounding like a, uh, a, a class in comparative religion. Mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I I loved it for the purposes of the book, but it had a lot of challenges. And then, of course. Um, uh, the entire second act playing out on a boat with just a boy and a tiger, how you, how you express the emotions of that kid. So I wasn't interested until I found out Ang Lee wanted to do it, okay. and suddenly it seemed like a great idea. <laughs> and I figured if, if Ang was willing to give it a shot and uh, go down this road, there was, if he couldn't crack it with me, there was no one uh, who could. So um, I... I took comfort in that and really look forward to the possibility of giving it a shot. Let's give our listeners a little bit of background on, on Ang Lee as well. He's known for such films as Sense and Sensibility, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Brokeback Mountain. Um, he's really uh, Ice Storm, which is just a remarkable um, sort of uh, study of people in relationships in, in, uh, in, in disrepair and beyond. So he's a terrific director. Um, mm-hmm. And um, this has sort of become Hollywood legend, trying to the the idea, this daunting sort of uh, uh, project of turning Life of Pi into a uh, 
into a film. It's it's well known to have, this has been the consensus for many years uh, that it just wasn't going to be possible. Now, um, technology had did play a part. The advance of technology did play a part in this becoming a feasible project. Correct. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. As I said, I don't think. Uh, you could, uh, I don't think the computer graphics were at the level that they are now where you could accurately yeah. uh, portray a Bengal tiger. Now, we used some real tigers, but of course you can't put a tiger and a boy on a boat together, and you can't train a tiger to make every uh, possible uh, reaction or, or leap onto a tarp at, the, at a given moment. You can't control the performance of the tiger the way you can a boy. And so there had to be uh, extensive computer graphics work. And even five years ago, I would have uh, been a little uncertain that this could be done. But uh, we had uh, uh, Bill Westenhofer was the head of our uh, uh, computer uh, design uh, process, and he had done the the tiger in um, Narnia. Mm -hmm. And he, he swore that, uh, he could go so much further with this now that the technology was there, the experience they had, and he did. It's unbelievable. It's uncanny how realistic the tiger is. H- having the seen the film, David, I can tell you that it is near impossible to tell that this is not a real tiger. It- well, it's gotten hard for me, too. I know which shots are absolutely the real tigers, and I know some which are absolutely not, but somewhere in between, I've lost track of which exact shot was a tiger and which one was, uh, you know, a guy in a blue suit crawling around on a tarp? Unbelievable. Truly. Well, yeah. let's get back to your, your part of this film, which is the screenwriter, writer, adapting this film, uh, this, this incredibly popular book, this unfilmable <laughs> book, into a, <laughs> to a reasonable uh, a, a screenplay that would be able to uh, be made into a film. Um, what, and and you, you left out another particular challenge to this film, in addition to all the ones that you mentioned. Um, not the least of which, there's another one. I'll throw in another one. Just this is a this this is sort of a meditation on the idea of of God, the 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 yeah. the, the the place of God in our lives or in the lives of this this uh, young boy and the tiger on on this uh, lifeboat. Um, but also that you are working with a first time actor. Uh, the pl- the part was <laughs> yeah. played by a man by a boy who had never been in a film. In fact, this, the backstory is that he went to the audition because his brother was going, and on a lark he went in and started to to uh, read for it. But I want to ask you from your point of view, as a, as someone who's writing, and I assume this is a very organic uh, um, process as the film sure. is going on. You're writing. What are the challenges, or what ad- what what kind of safety net do you build into a screenplay? Uh, for a first-time actor, uh, and what or if any, are there any sort of changes that you make when when you're writing something like this? You know, that's interesting. I had never thought about it that way. Uh, Suraj Sharma, who is uh, plays Pi, was working without a net the whole time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> because yes. when we wrote the first, we, we worked on uh, writing the first draft for. Uh, uh, about nine months, and then we went, went right into another draft, and then we were moving towards production. I was writing the whole time. Mm-hmm. Surridge didn't come on until a year, year and a half into this process. And so I didn't know I was writing for a completely inexperienced actor at the time, but the 
film really um, hangs on his performance no matter what you do, because he is the central character mm-hmm. um, performing uh, against uh, w- performing with a CG tiger. So there is no net for, for his performance. And in fact, the success of the film sort of depended on certain emotional moments and uh, uh, key, key changes in the character happening, being performed brilliantly. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So I never really thought about it. I just assumed that we would find the right actor, and we didn't know when we went on that search that it was going to be someone who had never acted before. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the uh, audition requirements was to do a, a big speech, which comes at the end of the film, and uh, Ang right. uh, selected that and uh, videotaped uh, all these uh, potential candidates doing it, and uh, I saw that tape afterwards. I wasn't at the audition, but there was no doubt when you saw what Surridge did with it that he knew exactly what he was doing. That he was the character. We we were uh, in luck. <laughs> we we didn't we hadn't thought about how uh, much trouble we would be in if we couldn't find that actor, but. It was clear once we saw that tape that we had found him. Well, I, I will echo that. He he does a a, a wonderful job with this, and uh, um, and he's very natural. Seems like a natural mm-hmm. performer. Uh, didn't mm-hmm. seem to be intimidated by his by the experience. Sometimes you can kind of tell when you get to a key moment in a film, and an actor is maybe just isn't up to it, and uh, and you, you just there's no way around it sometimes. And uh, it didn't right. feel that way. Um, so, so were you on set? Now, there's sort of back and forth I hear from different filmmakers. The writer's on set. Sometimes they don't want him there. How did uh, that for, for you? I, I, was, uh, I was on set uh, all the way up until the first day of shooting, and I could have stayed around if I wanted, I suppose. Mm-hmm. But that we were shooting in Taichung, Taiwan, mm-hmm. and uh, in advance of the production, I was sitting... Uh, in an office in in Taichung, typing every day mm-hmm. new scenes. Oh, now we realize that the boat can't go this way; it has to go this way, and mm-hmm. so let's modify the scene to reflect that. Oh, it's got to this scene's got to be morning, so let's do something with it. So I was rewriting uh, to take into account all of the technical challenges of making the film right up until the first day of shooting, and then it is such an intensely uh, technical shoot because it's being filmed in a, a wave tank uh, with, you know, cranes floating over the, right. uh, over the scene and, right. and tigers and uh, uh, special effects things being set up, that really there was, no need for a, yeah. there was no need for a screenwriter to be hanging around for that. So I went back to uh, my home in New Jersey, and then after uh, they finished and, and did a rough cut, I came back on and we continued working on shaping the... There, there's some uh, uh, voiceover reflections as he writes in a journal. Mm-hmm. There's uh, some some uh, shaping that we did. We tried different uh, different order to some scenes, that sort of thing mm-hmm. that we continued with after production. So I was very much involved all the way along. Very good. I want to remind our listeners we're speaking with David McGee, the writer, screenwriter for the new Ang Lee film, Life of Pi. Um, amazing 3D. I will say about this film... One of the best utilizations of 3Ds. It's not gimmicky. It furthers the story. It gives the uh, the the scope of the what you're seeing, the depth, 
and it really does speak to this kind of uh, the uh, it's always in 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 the background of the film this meditation on on a deity on a, on a god or whatever you however you choose to describe it it really kind of fills up the screen with this sort of uh, uh, magnificence if you will I don't know if that's the exact right word to use but uh, it is certainly a part of it and um, uh, he did a wonder visually just a spectacular film to watch. Oh, I have to agree with you completely. And and I'm not a strong advocate of 3D in all cases myself. Right. Um, but I I agree that the I think it has something to do with the fact that so much of this film plays out on uh, the ocean with that wide expanse and the big sky behind you and then and then the the boat there almost in isolation from that so you so ang has the ability to really uh sculpt what goes on with the water with the uh with the movement in the sky and change the the, the palette of that it's just gorgeous to look at and yeah. i think the 3d works as well as i've seen it if not better yeah. uh than most movies this is certainly and i can't take credit for that so <laughs> Well, um, I would now. Now you have again. We 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 spoke at the top of the interview about your your pedigree here and with the mm-hmm. Finding Neverland. Uh, another. I don't know if this is exactly comparative, but another kind of iconic writer, iconic story uh, of Peter Pan. Um, mm-hmm. Did you did you draw upon that experience as sort of writing uh, for the Life of Pi? Was there any sort of carryover from writing about another extremely well-known story and this sort of backstory about how he knew the family and all the rest of it? Did, did that help sure. you? Sure. You know, I didn't think about it when I started writing. Uh-huh. In fact, I wouldn't. if you had asked me when we were first writing, I would have said, well, I don't really see any parallel between these two stories. But as we went further into it and somewhere along uh, in the first draft and and moving on to the second draft, I began to realize that in many ways they're both stories about transforming the world around you into something that you can understand that that will cut through the chaos and the pain of a difficult situation that um, both of the both of the films involve storytellers who try to find a way to tell a better version of the story, Mm -hmm. essentially. And uh, Finding Neverland was very much about that. Yeah. And I realized somewhere along the way that the that that was the core of Life of Pi. And interestingly enough, in my first conversation with Ang, I think one of the first things that we agreed on was that the film was not just about religion. It was not just about faith. Um, in fact, it it embraced the idea of. Uh, Atheists being their own kind of storyteller, mm-hmm. just as much as uh, just as much as someone who believes in Christianity or Hinduism or Islam, but they are all storytellers, right. finding ways through the difficulties in their lives. And so, we we from the first meeting, un- unconsciously, I was I was already on the path towards the same kind of story. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Well, I my congratulations, David, on this. Unfortunately, we've just kind of run out of run out of real estate here. Um, but uh, <laughs> the uh, the the film is Life of Pi. Now, generally, I have independent documentary foreign filmmakers on the show. I would say it's playing at these three theaters in you know West Hollywood and and North Hollywood. And but Life of Pi is everywhere. 
uh, it will be uh, rolling out across uh, Southern California. And, and so you'll have many opportunities to check out this truly spectacular film. Um, and, uh, and congratulations to you, David, for uh, adapting the unadaptable into, uh, and making it into a, a terrific film. And, uh, well, thank you very much, Mike. I appreciate talking to you. You take care. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.